0: Well, a good Monday morning to you and welcome to Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson with you alongside Samuel G. Brooks. Good morning, everyone.
1: How the heck was your weekend? It was good. I had a... Uh, it was kind of scattered. I mean, yesterday was Kelly's birthday, so we just kind of had a bit of a lazy day at home and, and just sort of kept to ourselves in a good time. And, Were you and- up early this morning to make her International Women's Day waffles? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, oh, I was Sam. up early this morning. Well, I mean it was her birthday oh, yesterday so I uh, I blew it. Yep. I blew it on that one. I absolutely blew it a on Happy International Women's <laughs> Day to everybody
0: that's joining us. I always feel like uh, we're a little bit late to the party when we check in In our live chat, you know, you chances are statistically speaking You're probably listening to us on the podcast But there's this this group of real talkers that join us live every morning and we broadcast and we put it out on youtube and and the the good mornings and the sense of community and the gathering is always such an amazing inspiration so it looks to me it appears to me as though scott was first today closely followed by crazy james jody charlie sandra shalane fatima samira mark joanne sandra donna genevieve tammy i mean you get the idea you get the idea. But Terry was the first. She was the first to jump in and wish everybody a happy International Women's Day. And we love it. Um, Peter was just, just right on hot on her heels, wishing everybody a happy International Women's Day. And then Blake right after that. So I've put it out on my Twitter this morning. Um, we asked you with the hashtag Real Talk RJ, and we'll be keeping an eye on that hashtag to let us know who inspires you. And you don't have to pick just one Woman in your life who inspires you this morning? Who are you celebrating this morning? Who would you like to give a shout out to? And of course, we'll be keeping an eye on that, and and we'll be, we'll be, uh, well, hopefully, we'll be telling a few stories today. We're going to be hearing a lot of stories, including with our leadoff guest in just a moment. She's an Emmy award-winning host for ESPN. I'm very excited uh, to check in with Jen Latta, and we've got a busy show in store. We're going to meet some innovators, some entrepreneurs. Um, we're going to meet some women working in in social justice and equity it's going to be a great conversation plus of course news of the day we're going to get into the results of our question of the week presented by our friends at Y station a whole bunch of you chimed in on, on what you thought about the alberta budget that was released just a short time ago and then sam i'm not sure if you've seen the question of the week for this week yet have you i have not so we, we decided that, that it's it's been, it's been a little, what do I say, a, a little, uh, well, we've asked you to do some heavy lifting. We've asked Real Talkers to do some heavy lifting over the past number of weeks, uh, asking about things like, you know, I mean, the budget, for example, and, and getting into some serious business. So if you go to RyanJesperson.com right now, the new question of the week is up, and you can see it here. Um, I've even got it up on my screen. <clears throat> We're going to ask you to get into some of the more contentious issues. Okay, so we want to know about pineapple and pizza and cilantro and how dogs wear pants and because it's real talk, we're going to ask you about raisins. Okay, finally and, made it on there. Hey? Well, it just sort of it sort of seems like we've got this big, loud anti-raisin lobby that, that sort of chimes in and, and interferes with discussion on the show. We have an
1: incredibly proud pro-raisin well, lobby I, as well. I should hope
0: so. Yeah, and so we figured the only way to really settle this. Was to, uh, the only way to set, what, what's this?
1: What's that? Oh, just to close your downloads.
0: Oh, close my downloads. Yeah. Oh, you don't They're want to show oh, up on the bottom of the screen. Oh, you don't want people to see what, yeah. people can see what I've, why don't we show them? Oh, I mean, okay. you know, this yeah. is, this is That's... the the benefit you get. You can see that I've, <laughs> I've downloaded the coming to America, uh, movies. Sc- you know, why would I have that? I wonder what a mystery, what an exciting mystery uh, coming okay. up. Why did I download a photo of Oprah? That's probably pretty obvious. And then Sarah Goodrum, who we're going to get to in just a second, Sam, um, Why don't we remind everybody how proud we are to partner with Bitcoin Well so we can get this thing started? Because I bet you, I bet you this Emmy Award winning host probably has better things to do than just sit on Zoom and wait for us. Jen Latta coming up in just a minute. But we want to remind you that this morning, each and every morning that we come to you live here on Real Talk, it's made possible by the team at Bitcoin. Well, as our presenting sponsor, uh, you know, if you're one of those that, that's you know, you're resolving this year or maybe this month, you know, things can move quickly. You're going to finally figure out what crypto is all about. You're going to try to make sense of it all, but you don't know where to start. The team at Bitcoin. Well, is a great place to go. As a matter of fact, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Benny. Benny hooks me up every single time I'm there. I, I come in, we, we book an appointment and I say, hey, Benny, I, I got some really basic questions like what's this? What's a hard what's a hardware wallet can you explain this to me can you remind me again how the blockchain works he's always like yeah man no problem no problem man and thanks to him i'm able to better understand what's going on you can find the link to bitcoin well's website under the sponsors tab at ryan real talk
2: starts right now here's ryan jesperson
0: looking forward to your submissions on twitter who it is that inspires you or, or who you're celebrating uh this morning on international women's day and our show will be a celebration as well uh i love this from from tracy writes in she says i don't know i appreciate maybe celebrities over the years that have showed me that you know being real not fake you know she says they can be characters um or or real people like first lady michelle obama ellen pink amy schumer Uh, Those who showed that being in the public eye and real uh, is possible, not afraid to be themselves. It helps those of us who maybe need to see it. That from Tracy, what a great comment. Allison says, it's my mama who raised me all by herself. And she did a great job. If I do say so myself, she says, I'd also like to celebrate women in government in all roles, be it the custodial staff at Sturgeon County, all the way up to the mayor's chair and our first female mayor, Alana Natchew. We need more women in government. That from Allison. That's a great submission. Look at this. Can we call it my screen, Sam? Look at this. Sabrina submits. She says, my childhood Shiro and activist Katie Lang, uh, along with my late mother, Dorothy Samuel Mums. I'm parenting a queer kid and I'm in denial about it. Mentor who just so happened to be my grade two teacher, Audrey Lang. That's a beautiful, beautiful uh, submission. Uh, Dr. Taseen Lada, who's been on the show before, says my grandmother nanny. She passed away two years ago, but was a total badass. She grew up in India in the 1930s. She fought for the rights of widows. She ensured her kids were educated. Um, Dr. Lada says my mom was the only female in her engineering class. And then my, nana, my nanny uh, traveled the world and used social media and a cell phone into her 90s. I love it. Natalie is celebrating her kids. Nick, uh, uh, Nick, this is a great answer. So we say, which woman are you or who are you in particular celebrating? He says, every damn one. That from Nick. And how about from Steph, who says, my mom or sisters, my aunts, my sisters, I've been surrounded by strong, resilient, funny, kind, generous women all my life. I couldn't ask, says Steph for better role models that's amazing i love that uh jen latta let's get to our first guest this is going to be great uh a conversation on women in sports. she's an emmy award-winning host and a reporter for espn she also hosts jen gabe and chewy a morning sports talk radio show on espn milwaukee jen we're thrilled to have you joining us this morning thanks for making time
2: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know you and I have tried in the past and it didn't really work out So i'm glad that today on international women's day. I could make my debut
0: Well, this is perfect because we were going to talk to you I think it was like the first week in the history of our show Uh, and and there were some things going on women in football women in baseball and we wanted to talk to you And and we knew that at some point our paths would cross and here we are So have you been have you been up since like three in the morning? Are you already done your show?
2: Yep, our show's all done. It's really a a very family-friendly side gig that I have working here in Milwaukee where I do this radio show from 7 to 9 central. So, when I walk in the door at 9:15, my girls are just waking up. So, it actually works out really well from a home uh, a work-life balance uh, standpoint.
0: Oh, well, that's incredible. I want to talk to you about about working in broadcasting. I want to talk to you about working on the sidelines and broad I mean, you know, the the work that you do It it demands a lot of travel for starters, right? I mean, you can be assigned a game. Why don't don't you bring everybody up to speed? So you'll, you'll cover football. You could be halfway across the country on any given weekend.
2: Yeah, and I work for a show called College Game Day, which I know a lot of people are familiar with, and I'm a features reporter for them. So while I've done a lot of different things, I've done sideline, I've done story reporting, I've done studio hosting, um, my main gig is for College Game Day. And so what that requires is like Sunday evening, we will start getting emails from our bosses telling us what features they want us to dig in on for the week, which means that Monday we'll be out on a flight to any corner of the united states where football is being played wherever there's a compelling story we go and then the rest of the week is spent basically putting the piece together so you know you're doing all of your interviews when you're on site you get back you get your logs start putting your story together picking out which sound bites you want to use start writing the piece and then towards the end of the week we travel again and we're back on a plane headed to wherever college game day is going to be hosted now of course 2020 is a total anomaly where we didn't travel at all in fact the last time I was on a plane for work was yesterday, one year ago, when I traveled out to California to do a feature wow. on some of the up and coming quarterbacks. So it's been a very unusual year. The only assignments where I've traveled have been those that are within driving distance. So I've gone to Madison, Wisconsin to cover a couple of Badgers football games. I covered the Fighting Irish on their playoff run when they were in the college football playoff conversation. Um, but those are, you know, an hour and a half for me here in Milwaukee or three hours for me. And so that's kind of how espn has been making it work we have so many people across the country it's really trying to localize our coverage
0: how do you as a mom and a professional find the balance most especially on on those you know when everything's quote-unquote normal and you might be flying across the country or, or even driving um you know you're gone on weekends how, how do you you know you gone early in the morning how do you find that balance
2: Yeah, Ryan, it's a great question. And I always um, encourage people to realize that it's not just the moms. You know, I work with a bunch of really great guys on college game day who all have families, some of them young kids as well, and they're doing similar travel. Um, There is this expectation for whatever reason that it would be harder for moms to do it. But then I think it discredits the relationships that dads have with their kids as well. And dads don't like missing, you know, band concerts or football games or cross country meets or whatever it might be for their kids. Um, I just think that it's a career for men and women where you have to figure out a way to make sure whatever the most important things are on a given day are the things that you're putting your attention into. And so sometimes things can be moved. Sometimes they can't be moved. And so just figuring out what the priorities are on any given day and trying to give those all of your attention. Um, You know, I think there's an understanding in our household that I am much more fulfilled as a person when I'm working. I operate at a very high RPM. And so when I'm able to go from thing to thing to thing, I'm so much more efficient and I'm so much more successful, um, if I wasn't working, I wouldn't be the best version of myself. And so I try to remind my family and, and they are aware of it as well, that like the best version of mom is when mom is also working and feeling fulfilled in her professional space. And then that obviously impacts the family in a positive way.
0: I love it. And and by the way, as a compliment, you give off like a real energy in talking <laughs> to you. I feel it. And I love when you say you operate at a high RPM. I, I'm actually 100% going to steal that from you and use that because think sure, it, absolutely. It, it encapsulates a lot of things and you're a hundred percent right I mean when you're able to uh, find fulfillment and apply your skills and abilities and and you can power off that you can draw power off that um, when you were when you were and I don't know how early you wanted to get into broadcasting or you recognized those those skills you know those talents that you have um, you know as a young girl or, or or into your teenage years or your young adult years were there other women in, in broadcasting that that you admired or emulated or, or even you know sort of approached as men mentors?
2: So this is crazy to think about but I've been in this industry for more than 20 years now and when I was first kind of figuring out what I wanted to do I always thought I might be in news I thought I might be a speech writer or some type of person that was in the public eye just because I really um, handled that well it was something I really enjoyed Um, but I didn't know that women could be sportscasters. And I say that, and most people are like, that's absurd. Like, what type of rock were you living under? But the reality is, Ryan, there just weren't that many women doing sports when I was at that crossroads in college of deciding what my career path would be. It was very random that I fell into it, where I was having a conversation with a couple of guys in one of my broadcasting classes, and they were discussing the Marquette game from the night before. And I was kind of eavesdropping on their conversation and started to just kind of weigh in on what my thoughts were. And, you know. What I had known just from from I was a cheerleader at Marquette, so we were always at the games. So we were always watching the games. And um, one of them actually said, "Like, have you ever thought about doing sports?" And that was really the first time that I even considered being a sports broadcaster. So I very quickly pivoted to start doing internships in the sports field, and I loaded myself up with them. Uh, We could have the conversation about paid versus unpaid another time. I know that that was a hot topic recently, but um, and that was that was how it started. But no, there weren't a lot of women in that space, and I think that's why it's so important as we see these women in sports who are breaking the glass ceiling in so many areas that having that representation really opens up the doors and the minds of so many young women to think like, oh, I didn't know that that was something I could have a job in. But now that I've seen so-and-so do it, it's a real possibility.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that can't be lost on you that what you're doing That there's the next generation of sportscasters that are looking up to you. And when when girls see themselves represented on the screen, that's got to be huge. I mean, do, do do you think about that?
2: I never think about eyeballs, Ryan. Never, ever. It becomes counterproductive when you start thinking about the yeah. number of people who might be consuming what you're doing, because then you start thinking about trying to please those people. And as you know, it's a fickle audience, right? So what you do one day, they may appreciate, and the next day be like, oh, it's played out. I've seen this already. So my biggest advice is always authenticity, just being true to who you are. Obviously, doing the work and putting the time in to establish credibility in any space is so crucial. But after that, once you've put the work in and you you've got the information and you've been around the block and had the experiences, then it's trusting your gut. And there are times now, you know, even at 40 years old where I don't trust my gut. I second guess myself and always without fail afterward, I realize why did I do that? Like, I knew what I was talking about. I knew what I was thinking, but I questioned if I had enough experience, if I had enough conversations with the people in the know. And on the backside, I always regret that decision.
0: Jen Latta, our guest, Uh, Mark's watching in from Salt Lake City. He says, my friend Michelle Bodkin, uh, I just did a quick search. Looks like she covers the Utes. Um, It says she's been grinding it out in the sports world for a bunch of years now. He says it can she tells me it could be a tough business. For women, Um, I I know broadcasting can be a tough business, period, super competitive, obviously great to have an Emmy Award winner on the show. But but have you found have there been circumstances where your life has been made more difficult, professionally speaking, because you are a woman in this field?
2: Absolutely, and you're seeing a lot of it kind of coming to fruition, right? You're seeing the Mickey Callaway stories of guys who just create a toxic environment for their female colleagues. And, and why is that still allowed? Why are there still organizations and franchises who are continuing to hire people who have reputations for just not being good dudes? Like it blows my mind. Like we are not that hard up for talented baseball players that they should be allowed to get away with some of those behaviors. But certainly early in my career, when you don't have as much power and and that's what it always is about, Ryan. It's about the imbalance of power. That's when people take advantage of it. And that's when I've had, you know, people that work in uh, front offices or with teams who have tried to lord power over me, you know, for for dates or for information. And um, you know, I've always really been lucky that I've been able to navigate and kind of sidestep those inappropriate advances. But you're seeing that that's not an isolated incident. That this happens in a lot of places. And so it's always just frustrating to know that there are businesses and companies that don't consider that behavior a liability. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is. Do you think the Indians wanna be in the mess that they're in now because they stuck by Mickey Calloway for years and years and years? No, at some point it's going to be a risk reward imbalance where the risk of associating with these people with these reputations definitely outweighs
0: the reward yeah I mean there's Mickey Calloway I think right away obviously of Jared Porter too which is just a a wild story what was he I think he was the GM for the New York Mets for like a month uh, before these you know the story of all these illicit text messages came out and, and in reading the story so troubling um, this female reporter that was the subject of these unwanted like dozens and dozens of unwanted advances um, as I'm reading this and and, and again, like the, what I'm about to say is hardly profound, but as a man um, reading this, I'm sitting there thinking like I'm having this moment going, what on earth would it have been like for this woman to try to do her job to try to cover? And and you would think you I mean, you make it to the big leagues as a player, as an executive and as a broadcaster, right? I mean, you're covering Major League Baseball. This is a big deal in a big market. And then and then all of a sudden you're dealing with this. It's, it's I don't want to call it a job hazard because it almost dismisses it as somewhat acceptable but I can't even imagine walking a mile in her shoes what that must have been like to try to maintain professionalism maintain her own dignity and integrity and ultimately come to a point where her hand was forced
2: Well, because you know the backlash that's going to come along with that, right? The moment that you put a voice to it, the moment you put a face to it, the accusations come of what did you do to encourage that behavior or how did you handle your interactions that would have given somebody the green light to behave that way? And I always say, like, most of the women who succeed in this industry and certainly others that are male-dominated have a certain, they have a certain, like, characteristic and qualities that have contributed to them being successful. And a lot of times that is putting your nose down and just grinding it out, grinding it out. So when something like that happens, even though you are paralyzed for a moment that you've now become a statistic of this, this club that you don't want to belong in, Your tendency and your nature is to just put your nose down and keep grinding it out. And that's what they bank on. They bank on the idea that these women who are in these spaces are just going to try to sidestep it, try to navigate around it and move forward. And that silence is what contributes to these franchises then creating this toxic culture. So it's a very unfair space that women are expected to exist in, where now if you You know are the person that calls it out well now you've drawn attention to yourself and now you draw all the criticism that comes along with it and they bank on you not wanting to deal with that negative you know reaction as to why it continues and why it can continue to you know i call it a petri dish right remember the petri dish from back in our old science class days and you saw which were the most like hospitable environments which were the best environments for stuff to grow unfortunately where when a environment is male dominant. And certainly when there's been an old boys club, right? The cronyism of people being hired just because they're pals with other people, that is where it seems like is the most ripe environment for these toxic situations.
0: Yeah, no kidding. We, we've got uh, some interesting uh, emails coming in and messages. I've got one from a, a, a viewer by the name of Robert. I'll read it, Jen, after we talk. But he's he's talking about Cassie Campbell, like a, a Hall of Fame women's uh, Canadian women's hockey star uh, who's now, uh, you know, prime time in, in the broadcasting world, doing a great job on Hockey Night in Canada. But she faces a ton a vitriol and a ton of criticism and and i i've oftentimes thought like it's it's nothing new for a broadcaster to not be everybody's cup of tea but but i've often (laughs) wondered if she was a man if people would be talking about her the same way if there was a man that was in the hall of fame that had won olympic gold medals that was a legend uh in his sport would people dare talk about him the way that they talk about her and i know it's not limited to cassie and i know it's not limited to hockey
2: No, we did a piece yesterday on ESPN uh, in our SC featured group on Rachel Luba, who is a Major League Baseball agent. She happens to represent Trevor Bauer and now Yasiel Puig. And she was very candid about some of the struggles that she's faced. And it's really simple. It's just people being like, you're a girl men don't want to deal with girls when it comes to business and her having to overcome that. And then, of course, the perception of her as a professional. She was an elite gymnast who happened to compete at, you know, I think it was UCLA, uh, somewhere in California, where she's wearing leotards as part of her uniform for her sport. And yet when she would pose in a sports bra on her social media accounts, people would accuse her of being unprofessional. Like there seems like there's always these standards that are put on women when you're a professional that men are not held to end. Now, I'm not saying that I want to see men out there wearing sports bras. Don't misunderstand me. But again, it seems like the standard of behavior that is allowed for men to get a job and then somehow keep these jobs is just so much more, you know, so different than the expectations we put on women. And, and, you know, recently the documentary on Britney Spears, you know, think what you want about Britney Spears. Think about the questions that this young woman at 18 years old was, was having to face about her virginity and her breasts. I mean, I mean, the, like now in 2021, we're sitting there like blown away by the inappropriateness. But back then it was like, what? What? You can't answer the question? What? You know what I mean? It's like the absurdity of that. The good news, Ryan, is I think we are making strides, right? I have a 12 year old son. I'm having a conversation with him the other day and he's talking about a girl he likes in his class and a girl that likes him. And he's talking about the young lady just not being smart. And he says, you know, mom, I really think I want to date a smart girl. Mm. And me being like, well, at least we're doing something right. At least my son (laughs) is placing a premium on intelligence when he's looking for somebody to hang out with and interact with, as opposed to just like, She's pretty.
0: Yeah, yeah, very well said. You know what struck me again and and I I've, you know, just as someone who's sort of watched, I mean it was Peter Jennings for me that I, I met him when I was 11 and I was I watched World News tonight and I think that that was kind of my earliest hook into this industry. Um but Diane Sawyer was another one that I always had a lot of respect for and then watching that Britney documentary I was like Oh my gosh! Like it was just—I—I I had so many moments watching that that were really troubling. Why, why don't we focus on some of the positives? I was trying to think of some of the stories of women in sport that have really inspired me personally. Uh, one of them is um, for Canadians—we've—we've we've got this this generation of tennis stars coming up, and Bianca Andreescu has just been unbelievable. Um, you know, going toe to toe with you know the you know the the great Serena Williams, and that and giving us some great things to watch. You and I first started corresponding when Sarah Fuller uh, took to the field for Vanderbilt what was it I mean for you obviously is not just a football fan but a commentator as well how big was that for you Sarah Fuller it
2: was huge and it was huge for a reason that not a lot of people pay attention to but it was that she said yes Mm. she didn't have to step in and kick field goals for the football team she could have been like I don't know man we go back to the risk reward conversation that you and I just had Ryan the risk of putting myself out there in a male dominated sport, knowing I might be criticized, knowing I might not do what I need to do, probably outweighed the reward. And you saw that in the comments, you saw that in some of the reaction to Sarah Fuller, oh, she didn't kick it that far. Well, she wasn't supposed to kick it that far. And that's what she conveyed to us when we sat with her, sat down with her rather for college game day. Um, So I think there needs to be some recognition of when a woman puts themselves in a space where really the overwhelming reaction may be critical and may you know question their abilities or question their decision-making and say, she didn't have to do that. And she chose to, and she was the perfect representative for that because not only did she like step into that space willingly, then she worked her tail off to do exactly what was asked of her. Um, and even that didn't insulate her from the criticism. So I loved being able to tell her story for college game day. I loved her attitude towards it. I've loved her attitude since, which is talking to groups of young girls and making sure that she is this representative of, again, something that you can accomplish, something that you can do that you might not have seen very many women do.
0: She's like a background completely in soccer, Right. I mean, like this is this to me, people that are ripping her, I would love to. You know what I think we should have done is taken like the the five, you know, the five trolls on Twitter that had the most traction (laughs) and put them out there in a college game, you know, put give them a Vanderbilt helmet and see how they do.
2: Exactly, because of course, like again, she is an elite athlete. She was coming off of having just won the SEC title for women's soccer. You know yeah. her and her team. So, like again, it just goes to show that a woman can accomplish something, and there will still be detractors. There will still be criticism from people who think that she doesn't belong in that space.
0: I asked you to to nominate. I mean, we're asking our audience today, what what women are you celebrating or who are you honoring today, or who do you think of on International Women's Day? I asked you the same thing, and you mentioned uh, Sarah Goodrum, the uh, minor league coach with the Milwaukee Brewers. What is it about her um, that really resonates with you?
2: Yeah, we had Sarah Goodrum on our program this morning um, in honor of International Women's Day. She's 27 years old. She is a former Oregon softball player, and she's worked basically in the Brewers Science Academy since like 2017. So once again, somebody who saw something that she loved, which was baseball, which was sports, and started to figure out a way to break through, to be one of the first women to exist in that space, but paid her dues. This isn't just a charity job offering. This isn't like the daughter of the president of the company who they're trying to, you know, make like this token female in the franchise. She's busted her hump and now she is the minor league hitting coach for the Brewers organization, which means she oversees the hitting coaches for all of the minor league teams in the Brewers franchise. So like this is a really big responsibility. She takes it very seriously. But she talked to us this morning about how like she always loved baseball. She always knew she wanted to have a career in it and that she just had to figure out a way. And isn't that the case for most women? when you want to do something that hasn't been done before is you just find a way. It's kind of like that Jurassic Park life finds a way line right from back in the day. But I love that she had that attitude. She wasn't deterred by the fact that there were no other women hitting coach in Major League Baseball. She dug in and she you know, made connections. She paid her dues. And here she is now at 27 years old in this unprecedented role. Certainly something worth celebrating on International Women's Day and every other day.
0: Yeah, very well said. And, and more and more- women in baseball in prominent roles it's been great to see over the past couple of years Um, you have captured my full intrigue as we wrap this up i have to be honest i've not seen the new coming to america the sequel to the to the classic arsenio hall eddie murphy but you noted here you want to talk about it real quick i have no idea where we're going to go with this what what is the whatever you like girl what's the storyline here in the context for today
2: Yeah, so it kind of goes back to what I was saying about my 12-year-old son, right, as we try to make strides and try to measure progress for the way that women are seen and the way that women are perceived in our society. You know, obviously, this takes place in Zamunda, so let's be conscious of that. But in the very first Coming to America, of course, Eddie Murphy goes to America because the woman he's supposed to marry is the bark like a dog, arf, 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 a big dog, woof. Oof, oof. And he's like, no, this is not the girl for me. Well, in this iteration of Coming to America, there's a similar character. It's the woman who's supposed to marry, you know, the heir to the Zamundin throne. And he's asking her opinion. He wants to have a conversation with her. And she's saying, whatever you like what my you know my favorite book is whatever your favorite book is and all of that stuff and you know it's absurd in the movie it's considered absurd and the characters like this isn't for me i want somebody who can think for themselves and who's going to be a partner and i think that the more messaging we have even in something as silly as pop culture in coming to america that shows that there's value in women having opinions and being strong characters uh i think that's super important and that's why i was like good Good that he wasn't like, hey, man, this is easy street when it comes to getting married. She's going to do whatever I want the whole time. No conflict. Sign me up. Instead, he was like, no, that's not for me. I think that's super valuable.
0: No kidding. Jen, so grateful for your time today. Thank you for this. Keep up the amazing work on ESPN. I know you're going to have a whole bunch of new fans after this. We appreciate it.
2: Appreciate you. Thanks,
0: guys. You got it. That's Jen Laddin, Emmy Award winning host, a reporter for ESPN. Uh, She also hosts Jen Gabe and Chewy, a morning sports talk radio show on ESPN Milwaukee. And you can follow her on Twitter and on Instagram. Want to keep uh, an eye on, on who's inspiring you today, on who you're celebrating on International Women's Day. But I also appreciate this tweet from Daniela, who's absolutely right and and she says to me this morning tributes and celebrations are wonderful but we can't forget that this is a day to rally to plan to speak up to count the allies to see who still opposes equality and equity for half of humanity that from Daniela and that's a great point um, probably a good time to let you know that tomorrow we'll have an exclusive interview uh, with MLA Shannon Phillips uh, story just breaking uh, the CBC uh, I believe it's Carolyn Dunn that's done this uh, remarkable piece in Alberta MLA monitored by five different police officers uh, out of Lethbridge show documents after a, a lengthy Freedom of Information request um, MLA Phillips will join us tomorrow just out of the you know probably about 830 Maybe even before that, you'll want to be here right at 830 tomorrow. Uh, to talk about that. And that's a great point from Daniela. We appreciate it. Uh, We're grateful for the support of our partners, uh, including the team at Friesen Brothers. It's been a huge week for them. As you know, they opened on March 5th. And and, uh, by all uh, accounts, it sounds like it was a busy weekend down there in South Edmonton. They're observing all the health uh, protocols, which means that people were lined up, distanced in line all the way around the building. People wanted to check it out. And I got this great email from Denise you know, you can be in touch anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Denise says, I hear your ads for Freezing Brothers all the time, but it's been all about the meat. And she's right, right, Sam? I can't stop talking. Alberta beef, pork, chicken, and turkey. That's what yep, I say every-, yep,
1: every time.
0: She's bang on. She says, I've, I decided, Ryan, after hearing you talk, it wasn't a store I would likely visit. And then I saw something, says Denise. You may want to mention that the new Friesen Brothers has an amazing vegan section, and their salad bar and their deli area has stickers indicating which item is vegetarian or vegan. She says a lot of people will be really happy to hear this. That from Denise, you're absolutely right. I wrote Denise back. I said, oh my gosh, Denise, you're totally right. And when I was down there at Friesen Brothers, let me tell you, like I told Denise in my response, I tried their Montreal smoked tofu pretty good pretty 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 good at the brand new friesen brothers encourage you to check it out and a shout out to denise for making sure i stay on track also wanted to give a shout out to the team at grand dog essentials what can we say uh, other than we feed our dogs with Grand Dog Essentials quality raw food. They've got these great new supplements. They've got experts, nutritional experts you can reach out. They love to talk to you. Find what's right for your dog. You want to shine your coat. Your dog's guts are a little bit off. You know, you're you're in the yard. Sorry to talk about it right around breakfast time, but you're picking up after your dog and you're like, that doesn't look healthy. That doesn't look right. At Grand Dog, they can protect your dog, help the digestive system, and this green-lipped muscle oil is what everybody's talking about, like muscles out of the ocean, you know? And uh, at granddog.ca right now, if you use the promo code Real Talk. they're going to give you 10% off your order, 10% off your first time order if you use the promo code Real Talk, all one word. Okay, Sam, why don't we take a quick look at what's making news this morning before we jump into our next panel on International Women's Day. Well, this reported by the National Post, this is an, an interesting one. They're talking about Canada's index when it comes to happiness. Canada ranking worse than most developed countries in COVID-19. The misery index is what this study says. We're gonna be focusing on Canada's response to COVID-19 through this week. A women's health roundtable, as a matter of fact, tomorrow at 9 o'clock. You won't want to miss that. That's a story that we're following. And of course, everybody's talking about this. Last night, Oprah Winfrey's exclusive sit-down with Megan and Harry. Uh Pretty striking comments made, including the fact uh, Meghan Markle saying she didn't want to be alive anymore. She also dropped the bombshell, saying that when Prince Harry was in discussions with the royal family, there had been some concerns indicated that, well, their kid's skin color might be a little darker than what might be acceptable. It's a stunning revelation for some people, others are saying, is this the first time really? That you've seen the indication that there might be Some racism at play in the Royal family in the monarchy It's got a lot of people talking That interview from Oprah quick to clarify Last night by the way did
1: you happen to watch it Sam? By chance is that I didn't sorry now
0: Right really interesting yeah. right out of the gates So Oprah says you know it's important for us to Point out that you know first of all Nothing's off the table she Says you haven't we haven't come to any agreement about What I what I will or will not ask you And then she goes on to say and you're Not getting paid for this interview which Actually I was blown away by Because as you know And and, and as Harry confirmed last night They've been cut off financially from the family They've still got things to cover Like you know not just daily living expenses But also security for the family It's a pretty hefty expense Um, So yeah I mean just a remarkable interview Is that the type of thing you would check out Or are you kind of like when it comes to those types of stories You go eh I
1: I think I would check this one out Just because I mean I'm not really a royal watcher It's not a part of pop culture I'm super checked into but like this isn't a royal story to me this is a you know um uh systemic issues that have come up within the monarchy and why you know the first woman of color to join the monarchy immediately got pushed out of it so it's just like you know to me this this has very little to do with royal watching and far more to do with the the cultural transformation that's happening
0: as always samuel g brooks with the with an intelligent comment it's a it's a good thing that we have you here sam if it was just me steering the ship we wouldn't know what to do uh let's get into our uh well first of all why don't we pop in on our hashtag the real talk rj hashtag it's one we're keeping an eye on today and and we've asked you know who's who's basically inspiring you or who are you celebrating or or this one from daniela Uh, you know daniela like i said that wrote in said tributes and celebrations are wonderful but we can't forget we got to rally and plan and speak up so so why don't i also broaden or expand the invitation who makes you want to raise hell today that can be in a good way or a bad way when, when we say who inspires you, we always think of that as an optimistic word, but but who is it? Like, I love this from from Tara. I've not even read it yet. I'm reading it cold. She says, I'm going to take this answer uh, in a little bit of a different direction. I'm going to project it forward. She says, it's my daughter I'm thinking of today. You know, her, her ferocity of spirit, her greatness of heart, her focus on finding beauty everywhere, her resilience, her humor, her empathy, her compassion this is our future says tara and i'm feeling damn good about it i love that crazy james says my mom she raised me as a single parent starting in the early 70s wasn't easy for women to do things without a a man to sign off on it says also my grade six teacher judy roy who is one of the best teachers i ever had uh love this from lauren a retired fire uh captain a fire chief as a matter of fact says happy international women's day to my friend shirley benson edmonton fires first female firefighter a retired district chief and a 2018 woman of vision recipient and an inspiration and a mentor to many yeah lauren didn't even mention she's a race car driver too a absolutely ton of respect for shirley benson these are great comments keep them coming michael says i'm celebrating my wife today the most intelligent person i know funny unceasingly loving supportive of all of us compassionate beyond belief in her work as a palliative consultant boy that would be a tough job She's an incredible person, says Michael, and the world would be better off with more of her. Dr. Nermeen Youssef, watching in this morning, says my mom, Samira Soliman, she wrote her microbiology PhD in Russian in her 40s, wow, was suddenly widowed at 46, raised three kids mostly by herself, and and get this, wow, and ended female genital mutilation in the family. Huge wow she's there the second anybody needs support no matter the distance no matter her health that from dr Narmeen Youssef. that's unbelievable holly says it absolutely guts me to say this but i'm inspired by the support for black muslim women uh in particular in edmonton who have endured attacks from hateful people i'm profoundly sad that these hate motivated acts occur in our communities We are not safe until all of us are safe. Holly, that's incredibly and what an important message. Bree says, I'm celebrating the women who use or who have used their voices for change, even though oftentimes it means violence against them as a result. Bree says, I'm also mourning the women who have been silenced as we may never know what they would have contributed to the world. Yeah, that's an incredible message. Erin is celebrating her mom, her wife, her grannies ronda says it may be cliche but my mom it doesn't have to be cliche she says she raised three kids as a single parent went to night school to finish her high school went to university in her 40s to become a social worker so she could advocate for others ronda says every day i hope to live up to her example that's amazing carol says dr lenora saxinger you've seen her on the show before an infectious disease doctor says, I think she's amazing. We're lucky to have somebody pushing back so hard against vaccine misinformation with facts right now. And how about this from Lou Jobs? He says, my mom, she was a survival of, a survivor of residential schools. She's a day school survivor. She lost me through the actions of the 60s scoop. And she's living and fighting stage four cancer. She uh, inspires me every single day. That's amazing from Lou. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, many, many of you were writing in and, and talking about your parents. I think this is wonderful. Lori Wang writes in and says, it's, you know, she, people are acknowledging sounds cliche. You don't have to offer the caveat. Says, it's my mom. You know, she's no RBG. She's no Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but she fled the Khmer Rouge. What? With a newborn. My brother. Wow. Lori says she's no longer with us, but she taught me that when times get tough, you get tougher. That's incredible. What an amazing story that is. And I love this from Don. He says, my amazing life partner who fears no challenge, Carla. He says she has an amazing mind that never gives up and never surrender attitude about anything she's involved in. She considers opposition. You know, if you can, if, can you provide another possibility, another way to do things? That's what inspires Don. That's amazing. We ready to rock and roll, Sam? Are we hanging tight right now?
1: We, we got two out of three. One okay. One of our panelists, I've been, I've been in touch. One of our panelists is running late. Okay. So it's, uh, no yeah, No we kidding.
0: Can... Well, well I, I, I have mixed feelings um about uh this video and i'm trying to decide if we should show it or not Uh, you know i mean here's here's the deal um everybody's talking about this video this pastor uh who's since gone on leave this is pastor stewart allen clark uh, of the malden first general baptist church in missouri uh this it's just like I mean, hey, if we want to raise a little hell, if we want to kick some stones around and make a little noise on International Women's Day, this is probably where you start. Um, I know for a lot of you, I, I pushed this out on my Twitter yesterday. I just, I could, the only response I could think of it after I saw it, my jaw dropped. You're going to see we're going to play it for you here about 90 seconds. I won't play the whole thing, obviously. Um, right out of like just the first sentence you hear, you go, whoa. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. But it brings up a lot of things. A lot of things that probably need to be talked about. Misogyny, misogyny in religion, in the church, in the structure. I mean, the video kind of speaks for itself. Why don't we take a quick look? Let's roll it. Here it is.
3: Why is it so many times that women, after they get married, let themselves go? Why is it? Why do they do that? Here's how way too many women are. I got him now. The chase is over. Hey, that's where you're wrong. The chase ain't never over. The chase ain't never over. And by God, if He don't love me the way I look now, He ought to look at His own spare tire in the mirror. Now look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic, the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. I'm not saying that at all. Now, most women can't be trophy-wise, but you, you know, like her, maybe you're maybe a participation trophy. I don't know, but all I can say is, not everybody looks like that. Amen? Right. Not everybody looks like that. But, but you don't need to look like a butch either. Yeah. Hey, here's something you need to know. You need to know this. Men have a need for their women to look like women. Hey, sweatpants don't cut it all the time, huh? Wearing flip-flops and and, uh, pajamas to Walmart, uh, that ain't going to work. Ain't nothing attractive about that. It ain't. And and men want their wives to look good at home and in public. Can I get an amen? Amen.
1: So, you know, (laughs) the guy's gone on... (laughs) The, the the very lackluster amen I think speaks a lot to this like who's like he's the, trying to rally this crowd up and there's like we're nobody's not with anything. you bro nobody's
0: <laughs> saying it there's like one guy yeah. in the crowd that's like yeah you know yeah like, like but just unbelievable so he so he he's gone on leave and the church has has confirmed uh that he's not gonna be you know holding some of the duties he would have. i mean it's just like what do you even say about this so i push this out on twitter and obviously a ton of people have chimed in and you know carmen says i can't pick my job off the floor the herd mentality holding people to their chairs fighting their internal right impulse to walk out you know i mean this you know chris just says this is amazingly horrible you know others who say you know what year is this people are asking and then a bunch of people are pointing out, I mean, you know, and and I, I think it kind of goes without saying the guy himself. I mean, if, if, we, if we are going to sort of like participate in low blows here and sling mud, Emma says for just one day, for just one day, I would love to have the unmitigated capacity of a middle-aged, mediocre chud like this clown. <laughs> she says she's not even done yet. <laughs> How are you going to stand there looking like that? And tell me not to let myself go And look like Melania And then Emma In seriousness says if it wasn't so dangerous It would be absolutely fascinating And we got a lot of people You know like Gary says as a person Of faith I find this you know the clip of his Sermon highly offensive to the cross Of Christ he says this is Demeaning to women (laughs) Johnny Rocket a radio personality, says, since our marriage, my wife's 20 pounds lighter and I'm 50 pounds heavier. How is she even with me? (laughs) John says, I try very hard not to comment on anybody's looks, but for this one, (laughs) I mean, come on. And Ashley says, this hurts my soul. But there were some serious comments as well. I mean, people are talking about growing up in the church and how this was something that, you know, I mean, some people said that you know sharing a video like this should should probably come with you know some sort of a trigger warning because for a lot of people it it took them back like Kaylee says this is absolutely toxic messaging she says its only purpose is to objectify women and although this pastor says Kaylee seems over the top unfortunately a large number Kaylee's a person of faith says a large number of Christian marriage self-help books self-help books also share the same views the same instructions for women it's just not worded as blatantly caro says in here i've spent my whole life in sweatpants because it was up to me to stop boys from lusting after my body i feel so stupid you can let me know what you think about that just just mind-blowing that that stuff happens and and you know what you know what i was thinking as i was watching it yesterday there's a couple million views of that video now and i was thinking how many more of these sermons are happening where somebody's not recording it on their phone or pulling it off YouTube and sharing it. I mean, how many more congregations and communities and someone may write in and say, well, it's not just church or it's not just it's not all churches. You, you know, you're not wrong. It was great. Actually, I I appreciated hearing from uh, a former guest of ours, uh, a recent guest of ours, as a matter of fact, Pastor Greg Hohalter, who responded to me sharing the video. And he said, Ryan, this is the exact kind of thing I was talking about. When I said on Real Talk, we keep stepping in it as Christian leaders. And Greg's right. You can find that interview by, of course, subscribing to our uh, YouTube channel, or you can su- subscribe to our podcast. If you do already, it's probably right there waiting on your phone. We're going to get to our panel in just a second. Wanted to remind you that we're keeping an eye on the hashtag RealTalkRJ this morning. The women that you're celebrating, the women whose voices you want to amplify, who's it that inspires you? I mean if you're going to get set to raise a little hell today and and fight, if, you're, if you if if you're taping your hands so to speak ready to go today, who is it that's lit that fire under you? We want to know. The real Talk RJ hashtag is powered by the team at Park Power. They're in the internet, electricity, and natural gas game proudly Alberta based. You're going to deal with somebody local if you call into their customer service, you have a billing question, something like that, it's going to be somebody that's that's here in your neck of the woods. And not only are they excited about Providing employment for their fellow Albertans. They're also providing funding for nonprofits through their profit sharing agreement. If you use the promo code 2021 dash real talk right now, they're going to take 70 bucks, boom, off your first bill, commercial or residential at parkpower.ca. Also, wanted to give a big shout out to the team at Alta Moving and Storage. We're heading into the spring. I don't want to jinx us. I'm not trying to bring some sort of a, you know,
1: what do they the call it? Setting deep freeze. The polar vortex. Totally the por- We've had that already this we year. We
0: have. And I can't even- Can we get it twice? Can you? I I don't don't know. know. Should Should we stop talking about it? Yeah, probably. We should probably- This is like the thing, like, you don't say the name. You don't say the name, because if you do, what was it? Who am I thinking of? What's that horror movie? Not Candyman? Is
1: that the one you don't say three times into the mirror? Oh, you're thinking Beetlejuice, aren't you? Wait, is it Beetlejuice? I think so. Well, there's a bunch of say the name. three It's a common trope in movies. My, yeah, you're right. My pop culture knowledge is, is waning here. But let's talk about why we're talking about spring.
0: Yes. Are you trying to get me focused back onto the... Alta moving in storage spot.
1: I mean a little bit, but you know, you can you can go in every direction you want This is because Sam because Sam as our technical
0: producer is keeping an eye on the mechanism of the show I just
1: know how long this ad track is and you've got like 45 more seconds Well, the ads only supposed to be 30
0: so that shouldn't be any problem (laughs) whatsoever The team at Alta moving in storage knows that spring may mean a move for you But if you're like most folks, you're sitting right now and and all it does, you get that sort of like twisted gut where you go, oh my gosh, this is going to be so stressful. It doesn't have to be that way. They've got these pod style moving containers. How much time do I have left? 30. They drop them off at your house. They can provide the labor or you can load them up yourself and then they drop it to your new destination. It's all in the time frame you set out. Plus, short and long term storage solutions at altastorage.ca. I still have more time. You got 14 seconds. What am I going to do now? it's international women's day and we're uh i'm excited about this next panel this is um I mean, you know, you, you you talk about movers and shakers and difference makers. That's the deal here. Are we rolling out with two or three panelists out of the gate, Sam? Two, awesome. It's a real pleasure to welcome to the program the founding and managing partner of Sandpiper Ventures, Rhiannon Davies. Uh, her business leadership spans, I mean, literally the world, Europe, Asia, South, North America as managing director. She's built and led a $2 billion revenue subsidiary of Grand Vision. She was CEO, COO and board director. And she took grand vision. This is this is a five and a half billion dollar revenue eye care company with business in 45 countries through 44 percent growth expanding into 20 new markets we're going to get into this story remarkable and shelly keepers uh, co-founder co-ceo of the 51 and we're going to talk about the 51 you've heard about it briefly on real talk we thought we've got to circle back on this story because it's a great one uh, shelly's an activist in business entrepreneurship and investment driving business models that are more equitable feminist corporately and ecologically sustainable rihanna shelly welcome to real talk and, and do i say happy international women's day i think i can wish you a happy international women's day
4: absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well we're thrilled to have you here and uh and we may have we're excited if amanda hall is going to join us if not i know we've got a lot to talk about what is why don't we start with this and shelly i'll go to you first when we talk about financial feminism what does that mean
4: um, you know, we define it as being, you know, women being in all, equal in all things financial. Um, and so it could be, uh, you know, the pay that you're receiving in your job. Is there a quality there? Um, it could be having access to uh, financial services, um, regardless of your gender. So when you go into a bank, how are you being perceived? Uh, so basically, it's, it's a quality in all things financial.
0: What what would you say right now? I mean, this might be too broad of a question. Uh, I hope it's not. Uh, We can focus in. But what's one uh, significant barrier that's standing in the way of equity right now in this context?
4: Um, Well, you know, Rhiannon and I know these statistics quite well. Um, I think you know, for the for uh, Canada to um, achieve um, pay equity, um, it's you know, if we continue on the rate that we are right now, it's going to be another 108 years before there's equity, uh, pay equity in Canada. So that would be one statistic that I just think that's a bit eye-opening. And, you know, you talked about jaw, jaw-dropping. Um, you know, Canada um, has ha- has one of the highest wage gaps um, in the world.
0: Why do you, Rhiannon, why is that? I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the type of thing where, I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, in the spectrum of conversation around this, you'll have women that will come on and say, I mean, a, spe- a specific stat, 108 years, if, if the numbers hold and if the stats hold through 108 years till we achieve pay equity. And then on the flip side, on the farther side of the spectrum, you'll have people denying that there even is a gender wage gap. I mean, can you take mm-hmm. us into the landscape and how change needs to be impacted here? Nobody's going to be cool with it taking 108 years for this to sort itself out.
5: No, and and I think the hundred and eight years was actually a statistic that came from before the pandemic, and and one of the really truly scary things about the pandemic, and there are of course many things, is that it's it's gotten worse, and and women have sort of shifted back thirty five years. So from prior to my um, participation in the workforce, um, it looks as though my daughter might be might be starting out in a in a situation that's that's even worse than than mine is, and and it comes from a number of things and, 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 a, and a great deal of research has, has gone into this but it comes from yeah, the burden of care falling on on women for uh, for family members um it comes from um the yeah systemic uh, biases it, it's it's participation in the workforce it's it's access to the financial instruments that um that shelley referenced. um it's it's and of course it's it's what we focus on is uh, is access to to capital and the ability to to innovate
0: let's talk about i mean there there are going to be so many different discussions happening today and we want to participate and drive many of them why don't we talk about you know business and entrepreneurship I and mean, what is the what is the venture capital landscape shelly look like for women right now what's your assessment
4: yeah um Like Rhiannon said, you know, there's pre-pandemic and there's post-pandemic. So I think on the global side, uh, venture capital uh, was being allocated uh, at 2.8% globally to women. Uh, And I think following the pandemic, we're sitting at 2.2%. So we actually took a step back um, in a record-breaking venture year last year. Uh, Women actually accessed less venture capital than they did before.
0: Yeah, I saw it. And, and and I want to thank you, by the way, for providing some background information here for us to review. Crunchbase, if people want to look it up themselves, Crunchbase reporting a drop in 2020 from women receiving. And, and these are already meager numbers, frankly, 2.8 uh, percent of venture capital worldwide dropping to 2.3 percent. I mean, is it am I naive to say why is that? I mean, do, do is there something you can pinpoint either of you?
5: I think it's it's to a great extent because it, venture capital, in any case, is very high bound. Um, it, it hasn't been oddly enough because it's you're investing in the technology of the future. Um, but there's there's such an um, uh, an old boys network and a risk aversion certainly in investing in things that are that are truly new, um, which would be of course the the inclusion and diversity that um, that we talk about. Um, and I think many venture capitalists reacted and and retrenched into what they knew well and and what they knew well as is, is, is are the people that um, that look like them um, and and there was a, even less of a willingness to invest in emerging funds and uh, in, in and in, and in new things and in, and in new people so I think it was it was mostly just a retrenching in in and, and a reinforcement then of the biases and and the uh, and the statistics that were there already and interestingly enough if if you put that across from the fact that emerging funds and emerging technologies and new ideas are actually the ones that have because they don't have that baggage have had and seen more success and, and shown more resilience through this process and generally perform better in times of crisis that retrenching was not good from a social perspective,
0: but it's also not good from a financial perspective. I want to welcome. We have a a third panelist here joining us, and we're very excited to have Amanda with us. Amanda Hall, who's the CEO and founder of Summit Nanotech, uh, a professional geophysicist with more than 10 years experience in the oil and gas industry, uh, four years in in mining and four years as a laboratory scientist, a graduate from the University of Toronto, uh, University of Calgary as well. Amanda, thanks for making time for us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. I want to encourage you just to jump right in here. We're talking about uh, venture capital, uh, investment, women in business, and, and and want to really encourage just a free-flowing conversation. Feel free to interrupt me, interrupt each other. It'll be great. I wanted to uh, touch on something quickly. We have uh, just a, a great partnership that I'm grateful for with Y Station. They're our official research and strategy partners. I want to show you some, some numbers here. This is uh, from hundreds and hundreds of audience members that participate in our question of the week. I know there's a lot of numbers here, but check this out. Uh, this is on the of the Alberta budget that was just released. And it's not specific to women, but when we asked about how the budget supports, for example, civil servants like teachers and nurses, which we know has a strong female representation in that industry, 88% strongly disagree that this budget is good for civil servants. You know, 88% strongly disagree the budget is good for low-income Albertans. And get this, 87% disagree that That the budget provides the needed foundation for economic recovery post 2021. I've seen a ton of criticism as well on behalf on different levels of government, the federal government as well, that that there's not been funding or support put in place for women to contribute to economic recovery. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that women are key to Canada's economic recovery. I mean, Amanda, why don't we go to you first? I'm curious to hear from you here on on what that would look like, what meaningful support would look like, and and maybe why you don't think we're seeing it right now.
6: Yeah, I can can start you off by saying Gandhi said that the world will be saved by the Western woman. Mm. So we have a lot of work to do, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Support-wise... Yeah, in Alberta, it's hard to have support as a clean tech company, just because we are an oil and gas resource uh, province. So, when you bring new technology and kind of a clean tech focus to energy, you get some resistance, you get some pushback. People aren't used to seeing, they're not used to change. They need to be kind of walked through the change process carefully. Um, You know, and and a lot of what I do is very similar. I guess I should give you a quick background. We do lithium extraction. So, it's it's similar to oil and gas. We drill a hole in the ground and we pull salt water out, and then we extract the lithium from that salt water. Um, So, it's very similar to the resource extraction experience we have in this province, but it's different because now we're supporting the growth of electric vehicles and renewable energy. And there's a little bit bit of a bad guy syndrome that comes along with that, as you kind of not like we're not exactly fighting against oil and gas, we're not at all but we're supporting the transition, which sometimes is looked upon as a negative in this province. Um, so lack of support as a clean tech company. Um, and then in terms of financing my company, like in term, uh, with venture capital, it's challenging. Like it's challenging as a, fe- a female founder women don't have deep roots when it comes to proving that we are kick-ass CEOs. And, uh, you know, like we're kind of a new generation of women who are coming out the gate full on, like full on sprinting to prove that, women can run companies and do really well. So until we start getting those statistics up higher to show our abilities and our strengths as, a, as 51% of the population, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a headwind. We have a headwind against us
0: amanda i had a we had a great conversation um right out of the gates this morning with jen latta she's an emmy award-winning host for espn she covers college football and she was talking about some of the challenges that she faces and, and some of the you know the sort of the gender uh, realities and and she talked a lot about uh, you know power and the power structure and how it can be difficult for women working in football or working in sports broadcasting you working in in oil and gas or in in, in energy anyway let's say um do you experience that as a CEO, do you see it in boardrooms? Have you experienced that firsthand?
6: Oh goodness, yes. Over over my career, it's been uh, it's been a struggle. Being a female isn't always a good thing. Like um, I remember one of the first conferences I attended in the oil and gas sector. There were topless waitresses there, and you know, like that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so, but it it was kind of just commonplace. Like this is the way it's always been done, and. Yeah, so we kind of, that was a long time ago. <laughs> it's different now. No no more topless waitresses at conferences now. But um, yeah, even as a CEO, as I as I go out into the mining sector internationally, cause I'm representing a Canadian female clean tech in South America, mostly that's at my primary target market. Uh, I find that male miners will look at us, me in particular with skepticism at first, until they start hearing about our technology and hearing about our business plan and hearing about the economic savings and the, you know, the ESG, um, uh, improvements that we'll make for them. Like we're basically bringing a technology to the mining sector that will future proof their operations. And uh, when you start speaking that language, they listen and they forget that you're a woman, but there's always that initial skepticism at first about whether you measure up to what their expectations are.
0: Wow. i'm still I'm still like gobsmacked at topless waitresses at conferences but uh Rhiannon, uh sandpiper ventures based in Nova scotia for people that aren't familiar how how is the investment if so uh the investment landscape different on the east coast like do you what are you seeing from from women founders in the tech sector out there
5: well when we started raising capital um we were met with a huge amount of skepticism well you know are you really going to find in the east coast of canada enough um you know groundbreaking ca- companies that are that are led by uh women entrepreneurs and and we we do invest outside of the region as well um but our hearts are and, and much of our focus is here and and proximity is important in this space um but what we've found scratching the surface is that there some incredible companies here and some incredible companies that are showing great resilience um, in the face of the pandemic as well and, and making and, and in fact in, in, in my portfolio, it's it, somehow the women have managed to keep their lab space open even if they're in the university and a lot of the men haven't been able to and I, I don't know what kind of you know incredible um, capacity they've had to do that, but that's been really a very important thing. So we've we've really seen just incredibly exciting, inspirational um, technologies coming out of here in the clean tech space, in the biotech space, um, in healthcare. Um, and and I have another shocking story now that I'm speaking. I'm thinking of healthcare that uh, that riles um, the uh, the topless waitresses. But it happened last week, and uh, and that's that I that we're looking at a, a company um, that is been created by a, by a nurse. Um, and she's developed a medical device that, um, will significantly improve healthcare uh, outcomes on with people on ventilators. And she was meeting with a a, a VC, a a very well-rounded VC. And he said to her, um, you're not a CEO. You're never going to be CEO. You're a nurse. And, and this woman sort of, instead of taking that and letting it flatten her, it, it, helped her to rise up. And, and, and it's also helped us to rally around her and say, God damn it, that can't happen. That can't happen today. Um, that, that somebody has been smacked upside the head and said, you can't be a CEO because you're a nurse. Somebody who's creating something that's gonna save so many lives. So it's, it's I mean, that's what we're up against, but fortunately we see huge resilience and amazing technologies and amazing women. Um, so it makes me feel more confident and, and more determined.
0: Yeah, I've, you know you hear stories like that Of you know I, I, I remember interviewing A, a female uh, specialist a, a, a physician a while back who said That you know she walked in for a Consult and um, realized Very quickly that the patient was treating her like The nurse and couldn't wrap his mind around The fact that she was the doctor and you're Sitting there going like it's 2021 I just you know but it, and it's funny and I And I know that you know on a day like this we can be We can be tempted to make these sweeping generalizations Like you know you, t- you talk about women That can keep their labs open and, I, and I'm wondering like are women just better multitaskers than men and then my inner dialogue is going is that way too broad and stupid of a question like i don't know but i will say this that generally speaking as a guy men do not lack confidence in themselves the whole like nurse to ceo jump if it's a guy well he will not lack the confidence right i mean it'll be celebrated. what an accomplishment he started as a nurse and now he's a ceo right there's just like a huge difference
6: I can relate Um, one of my uh, shortly after I started this company, I was in a mentorship program, Alberta innovates, put it together. And so I was sitting across the table from my mentor and he said to me, this is too big for you. Why are you doing this? You need to choose something smaller. And what that did to me was it fueled my fire. And I just like, I remember that sentence on the good days and the bad days and it drives me to work so much harder so that he can see me on the news five years from now and be like, damn, I should have. This was not too big for her.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. You're you're, you're, you're just going to wait till the next glossy cover feature, the next magazine, you can sign a copy and send it to him in the mail. Um, Shelly, I love this. Uh, Kim is watching this morning. She says, Kim says, I'm really inspired by my three generation Z daughters uh, and and all their teen friends this generation is life smart they're compassionate and they have no tolerance for intolerance they're pushing older generations to be better these young women are a force says cam and i can't wait to see what they do i mean shelly you've been you've been working with and 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 assisting and encouraging and providing opportunities for for entrepreneurs for for many many years uh, out of calgary you know have, have you seen a change have you seen changes and trends that that inspire you or that encourage you over the last 10, 15 years?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I cited uh, a statistic that was quite depressing at the beginning of our show, 108 years for uh, Alberta to um, achieve its 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 equity for women. Um, but there's some amazing positive statistics. Um, you know, the rate of uh, women entrepreneurship globally, I think it's up 118% um, over a specific period of time. Women are moving into entrepreneurship in droves. And I think that there's a few reasons for that. I think, you know, we are seeing things that need to be redesigned for us, um, whether we are consumers or users, um, or if we have ambitions like with Amanda around ESG, you know, we want a better planet. Um, And so we're seeing women redesign things that we've just taken for granted. I think that that's one aspect of it. And I think the other aspect is, You know, women might not be fitting into the workforce like they used to. And so, um, you know, and again, you know, Amanda maybe can speak to this. So it's like you're doing a job, you are employed in a company, and it's very hard for you to contribute to that company fully um, because you are maybe managing a family or you can't work how you need to work in order to contribute to that business. So I think. Um, I think women are just kind of taking it into their own hands and saying, you know, what can I do differently? How can I redesign the job that I'm in? How can I redesign the things that I think need to be redesigned um, and become a, a business owner and a business leader? And I think that there's a whole movement around these women to say you can do it. Anything's possible. Um, and we all have our stories. I mean, Rihanna just talked about one. I remember when I had one of my tech companies, I did a week down in Palo Alto. And I remember one of the meetings um, they said, well, is this really your company or is this your husband's company? And I was just like, no, this really is my company and I'm leading it. And no, my husband's not involved in this company. So I think, um, you know, the combination of like uh, women on the innovation side, I'm saying I'm going to drive and I'm going to innovate um, what I don't like uh, to see in the world to to reflect what I want to see. And then I think we're seeing um, a wave of women uh, that are championing and supporting that and, you know, putting capital into these companies like Rhiannon and I,
0: Uh, we're going to get back to uh, Amanda Rhiannon um, and Shelly in just a moment. Uh, I want to talk about what when we talk about building the financial feminist economy, what does that actually look like? Amazing comments here on the Real Talk RJ hashtag. Barbara says, I'm thinking of my mom today who graduated university at age 78. She accomplished so much despite the challenges of being a woman in a male-dominated society. And how about this from Julianne, who says, I'm constantly inspired by women who take on traditionally male roles. Um, My young cousin, 24 years of age, a certified diesel mechanic. Uh, She's now taken on educating future diesel mechanics in a college program. The girl rocks and is a wonderful role model for young girls everywhere. Uh, It's International Women's Day, and we recognize it here. We're proud to on Real Talk. Quick shout out to the partners that make shows like this possible, like the team at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Now, Sam, you know I could go 11 minutes on Dairy Queen, but I'm not going to today because this panel's unbelievable. Okay. The panel's hitting it out of the park, so I'm just going to very quickly remind you that the March promotions for Real Talkers at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park include the two-for-five-dollar treat night after 8 p.m. every night, every night of the week. at These six Dairy Queen locations, you can mix and match any two medium-dipped cones and sundays that's two for five bucks at the dairy queens of northwest edmonton and sherwood park we're also very proud to be partnering with st albert and sherwood dodge whether it's that ram 1500 the legendary truck maybe you're starting to think about picking up a trailer our next door neighbors just got a trailer oh my gosh they know they said we're not going anywhere like travel wise this summer except for what we can pull behind our truck If it's a Ram 1500 you're looking for, you won't find a better selection than you will at Sherwood. And St. Albert Dodge. Plus, they've got amazing financing options, including zero percent financing over seventy uh, over seven years on uh, those who qualify. Go see Scott and his team at those two dealerships. Very grateful to have our International Women's Day, the uh, venture capital roundtable here, the entrepreneurs uh, Amanda Hall, Rihanna Davies, and Shelley Keepers, and you know we 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 hear about this building the financial feminist economy, and and we probably haven't talked enough about the fifty one Shelly. I'd really love to dig into this but 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 how do we how do we lay the groundwork for this i mean where does this conversation start what steps have been taken and and maybe as we have our focus today on this you know what should we be thinking about
4: yeah i have so many calls to action um so i mean i think um i i You know, there's another statistic that I think is all part of this, too, and it's the wealth transfer, Ryan, and I don't know if you know this, but 65% of all Canadian wealth will be in the hands of women in this decade. And so when you think about uh, the mission that Rhiannon and I are on with our communities and our venture funds, we really want to be able to activate women's capital to support the companies like Amanda Hall is building. And so there's a tremendous opportunity to, to marry women's capital with women's innovation. And then when we couple that with uh, you know, women as consumers, we know we control 85% of the spending power um, globally around you know, what we consume. And so we, you know, we really look at an opportunity for us to influence, um, not just with our capital, but with our spending power, what we want to see in the world. what companies do we want to exist? Um, you know, we often say at the 51, you know, investing in the world we want to see. And so I think, You know, women today um, can make decisions on on, you know, the companies that they want to support just with their everyday spending. Um, And then there's a broader opportunity for women with capital and with wealth uh, to put it into uh, businesses like Amanda to say, you know, that's what I want to see in the world. So I think, you know, from an everyday practical reality, I think we can start making decisions based on how we're spending our our dollars.
0: Let me ask the the, the others uh, the same question, um, Amanda. When, when we talk about building the the financial feminist economy. Um it, let me be honest with you we call the show real talk here's some here's some real talk for a second i just saw a tweet that just knocked me back on my heels um and it has nothing to do with the three of you but that's why i kind of was like stammering because i just got punched between the eyeballs but it's okay i always want to learn but i'm but i'm getting some criticism for a previous interview and this is why i'm reading it right now uh a friend of the show says i would just talk to jen and she says on international women's day you asked a professional the worst question she says men never get asked about a balance between work and family it's always asked to women uh that from Allie. um interesting and and fair point i guess i was talking to jen about the fact that she's always on the road she's always traveling to cover college football and she talked about her kids and uh anyway i'll I'll, you know anyway uh do any of you have a thought on that Uh, we call the show real talk let's have some fucking real talk i'm happy to have it um (laughs) is that an unfair question is that did i did i step in one here
6: I don't think it's unfair at all. Um,
0: I think it's an obvious question, personally, but I'll, yeah. Uh,
6: culturally, um, taking care of the household and the children or, yeah, is a female job, really. Um, but it's it's you know it's transitioning too. But I I can remember being in um, the kitchen at a, a big giant oil and gas company where I was a geophysicist, and I was talking to my colleague who was a male geophysicist, and we were just standing, you know, leaning against the wall, drinking coffee and. He was telling me how much he loves his life, and he's like, you know, my my wife, uh, she takes care of the kids, she cooks dinner, she she goes shopping, she does laundry. All I have to do is come to work, enjoy my job, go home, and and you know, sleep and and do my entertainment. And there was a moment where we were chatting when I looked at him and I I kind of just cocked my head to the side and I was like, hmm, I do all that, and I'm a geophysicist. Like I do both of you, both of those jobs, all in one person. And I'm a single mom too. So it's, it's doubly hard when you're a single mom, but I just remember the realization on his face that not only was I doing his job, I was also doing his wife's job. (laughs) So there was like a bit of a smack there, but we are, um, women are just made for this. I think genetically, like we are resilient. We are relentless and we are uh, we, we don't let anything stop us. So and I, I know men are, are similarly built in a, in different ways, but when it comes to raising the kids and making sure your your house is in order, and when I say your house is in order, I mean my company too. Like all of that has to be in order and I take care of my people. I take care of my staff, like they're my family. So, you know, you can, there's there's not a big separation between family and business when you're running your own company.
0: Well, isn't that the, I mean, and help me understand, like if if I'm totally out to lunch, just tell me I'm out to lunch. But when we're taught, I mean, I, I think I've done 150 interviews in my career about the gender wage gap. And like I said, I've heard it all. Right. I've, I've, I've heard from the jerks that say it doesn't exist. And I've heard from people that have been fighting to to lessen that and close that gap ultimately for years. But the recurring theme in all of it is that women are pulled out of the workforce uh, typically for 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 reasons that men can barely comprehend that there are barriers that relate to family life or extracurricular curricular life that typically fall to women I, I think it's i think you're i think you're being disingenuous if you're if you're not touching on that um i don't want to make this about me and my question i'm just i am a little rattled by it i think it's relevant especially if we're talking about gender wage gap but i don't know ryan what do you think
5: I think I think it is relevant. I think you should ask it to everybody, because I do think as society, we should be shifting away from saying childcare is 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 a women's issue. Totally. It's a society's issue. But I, I do think it's relevant. And I think one of the reasons that I believe in investing in women and believe in investing in diversity and inclusion is because I believe that the people that I invest in are going to be more sensitive to the needs of Women in the workforce, um, and 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 that has also been proven. Um, if we create more women in leadership roles, we're going to be creating more leaders that um, that that understand that um, that the amount of hours that you put in in the day is not necessarily indicating the performance. It's it's how you craft out the balance in, in an effective way between your family and your and your your work family and your home family. And I think that speaks also to you know the opportunity that Shelley talked about, like. We're not creating products for a huge amount of consumers at the moment. We're not creating products for buy the a, a huge amount of, 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 the, of the controllers of wealth at the moment. So I would love to change the narrative to talk about how women-led companies, because of the way that we have grown, um, are performing better. Um, Women's ideas are are going to be unlocking a huge amount of wealth and, and consumer products. So rather than putting women on a back foot and saying, we need to invest in them because we're not investing enough in them now, but we need to invest in them because we're missing out on this massive opportunity for innovation and job creation and economic growth, and quite frankly, VC profitability. So this is why we do it too.
0: Yeah. And like that very last thing you said, um, it's not tacky or inappropriate to point out that there's a huge business case for doing yeah. something as well. Right.
5: I, I have no so. shame in that. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's all part of making things good and making things better and making the world a better place. Um, and it's okay to, uh, to see growth in that.
0: Yeah. I, one of the more uh moving experiences that i've had as a as a journalist in a previous life uh, in television was to travel to ethiopia for three weeks and to see how uh investments made as a matter of fact by albertans out of Westlock, alberta um what they were able to accomplish with women um in the in the afar region it's just just south of eritrea and and these women i mean you're talking about female genital mutilation is still a thing girls are are denied basic like what would be the equivalent of early elementary schooling women at that point could not own property let alone get loans i mean yeah right Uh, but but these small loans these small startup loans like meager we're talking like 20 or 100 or a thousand dollars that would be that would just allow these women to launch these incredible businesses um, and and to be able to interview them and talk to them through translators and to see the power that they felt that they were channeling by somebody just showing a little bit of of, of faith in them or, or, or putting some belief into what they could accomplish i mean it, it, it sticks you can tell i mean i'm bouncing in my seat talking about it almost 20 years later um shelly what's the equivalent here like grand scale we're talking about venture capitalism we're talking about companies in some cases worth hundreds of millions or or billions of dollars i mean do you see storylines that, that would parallel that in the context of of, of canada
4: Absolutely. And I love what Rhiannon said. Uh, Yet there's a huge social opportunity for us to to invest in 51% of the population. Um, But there's a huge economic and financial opportunity in doing that. And so, you know, it would be my vision for this decade uh, that women could fully contribute to the economy. Well, what's possible? What could be the growth in GDP if we did that? Um, what would be possible if we had uh, women-led companies go public? What would it be possible if there was parity uh, uh, in the boardroom with with directors? Um, what would be possible um, if we really imagined what women are going to do is 65% of this wealth in this decade, what are we going to invest in? And so, you know, we will shape the future unicorns um, per se. You know, that's a, that's a term used for uh, billion-dollar companies on, in kind of the tech space. But I believe that, you know, like Rhiannon is saying, there's just so much upside by investing in 51% of the population, both financially and, and socially, and so, you know, it's not International Women's Day. It's like, you know, this is our decade. We're going to make it happen.
0: Yeah. Let me ask the three of you this um, in closing. I'm so grateful for your time. Thanks for giving us this hour. If there's one thing that you could see or, or, or maybe you can kickstart it right And Who knows? Maybe this is it if you're not already doing it. I'm sure that you've you've paved the way. But if, if there's one thing you'd like to see change for women in Canada, let's say by this time, by International Women's Day 2022, what would it be? Amanda, let me ask you first.
6: Yeah, it's uh, it's systemic, unfortunately. Like I I was recently in an article by CBC, yeah, CBC, um, and I got accused of discriminating against men because my senior executive team in my company is all female. And to me, it's just like that blew my mind. How could you say that if I'm aiming for 50-50 in my company, 50% men, 50% women, that I'm discriminating against men? And I can feel it all everywhere, everywhere I go in this country. So I want that to go away. (laughs) (laughs) Equality shouldn't be something shocking to people. It should just be the norm. So that's what I would hope for.
0: Rhiannon, how about you?
5: Yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of change in the in the financial institutions, in in the uh, in the government organizations that are that are supporting the innovation driven economy. Um, we were very grateful that the Nova Scotia government um, made a significant investment in uh, in Sandpiper recently, just to to demonstrate how important it is to support diversity and inclusion in in venture capital. I would like to see more provinces following that path. I would like to see the federal government following that path. I would like to see financial institutions following that path. And we're seeing some wonderful movements. So I'd, I'd really like to shout out to a lot of those organizations and entities that are already doing that. But I would like to see more follow on and more dedication and not in a tokenistic way, but a recognition that this is an economic growth driver that we need to put capital behind and it's the governments and it's the financial institutions that have access to that capital and they need to make that commitment. And, uh, and as I say, I'm grateful to see that change, but I'd like to see a lot more of it.
0: Shelley, we'll give you last word. Give us our marching orders.
4: Mm. You know, I think Rihanna kind of said it all there, um, uh, you know there's probably a couple of things I'd like to see um, better intersectional feminism come to bear right so how are we really representing 51% of the population you know beyond the three of us on on the show this morning um, so that would be that would be one aspect of it um, I think, you know, selfishly, I'd love to see um, Alberta take women more seriously. And so, uh, if we could look a year ahead, um, you know, some mention of women, uh, you know, on a regular basis would be good. You know, maybe we could see, you know, ourselves in some of the the promotional videos that come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I really, I would say at all government levels, and we're seeing this at the federal level, but a shift from us being a social file to us being an economic file. So, you know, how are we really being taken seriously for the economic contribution that we can bring to, you know, Alberta and to Canada? And so that would that would be my wish.
0: I love it. I'm so grateful for the three of you and, and the voice that you've brought and the perspectives you've brought um, just quite frankly as total ass kickers and uh, i can tell by the way that our audience is responding that your messages are resonating so to amanda hall and Rihanna davies and shelly keepers thank you so much for this thank you. thank you you bet uh real talkers you can let me know what you think about that that's uh that's great I, I saw somebody talking and said yes intersectionality we need to talk more about that that's a great point and my thanks to our panelists Let's remind you that uh, we've got our solar panel coming up on Friday at 9 o'clock. If you've got a question already, there's so many puns that you can use. I mean, the solar panel is one, but if, if you'd like to reflect on a question, of course, Kuby brings us positive you, reflections. You might get charged up about it. You might get charged up about it. Very well done, Sam. I was gonna say you Sh- may shed, have,
1: shed some light on the issue. Shed some
0: light on something. I
1: was gonna say you may have something like a
0: burning question, but I think that the team at Kubi probably wouldn't want that. You know, they use certified installers, so nothing starts on fire. That was a bit of a leap, but it's true. No, it worked. <laughs> Electricians, electrical apprentices. They've also got Tesla certification, which is a big deal. They do solar installations, commercial and residential in BC and Alberta. And every Monday on the show, it's coming up before we say goodbye today, they present positive reflections, which is a great way to get your week started off on the right foot. Also want to give a shout out to the team at Clean Air Club. At cleanairclub.ca, you can sign up to have furnace filters delivered right to your door. Why not take that off your to-do list? You let them know the size you need. They basically you know there they are at your house and then all of a sudden bing bang boom your family breathes easier you save money and you're the hero thanks to cleanairclub.ca it is international women's day and we're keeping an eye on our real talk rj hashtag we're asking who is it that inspires you who are you celebrating today who are you going to raise hell on behalf of and i love this from luciana who says my aunt lily She became a midwife in 1930s Argentina at 32 years of age so she could flee an unhappy marriage. Luciana says thank you to her example. I graduated university as a mature student in Canada in a different language. Absolutely amazing. Look at this. This is Luciana and her aunt Lily. Sam, can we take a look at this? I love this photo. Look at this. That just looks like a look at those. Look at those smiles. Doesn't that make you it makes you smile fantastic it makes me smile so much complete strangers to us (laughs) Absolutely, but you can tell look at that admiration in that photo That's absolutely beautiful with apologies to folks that are listening to us on the podcast take our word for it Uh, An amazing connection there. Let's get to our next guest. She uh, Well, I mean she sees things around her that need to be changed and she changes them She's a change maker. She's the founder of No Woman Without. You can check it out at NoWomanWithout.com. They've just launched their 2021 campaign. It's a real pleasure on International Women's Day to welcome to the program, Scarlett Bjornson. Scarlett, good morning. Hi, Ryan. How
7: are you doing this morning?
0: I'm doing all right, thank you. No Woman Without. There's an amazing story behind this for people that maybe aren't familiar with it. How did this get going?
7: So... Um, they were uh, leaving dinner one evening with friends and there was a woman who was asking for change. Uh, she was experiencing homelessness and I asked her what she needed the change for. And uh, I was going to give it anyway, but for whatever reason, I needed to ask. And she said, truthfully, I'd like a sandwich or some alcohol. And she said, but I need to buy tampons. And that just slapped me across the face. I was, I had never considered donating that. I uh, volunteered, I spread messages. I, Um, Helped out in the sector as much as I could, but I never considered uh, donating menstrual products. And so I I couldn't let it go and uh, I had to put work into it. And then here we are four years later and uh, it's our fourth drive and we're just, uh, we're, we're just getting started. Like we're just really starting to work really hard on changing uh, changing the access to this product in the community
0: but there's you know scarlet there's there's things that'll happen to people they'll have uh, an interaction with another human being uh, someone will say something that resonates with you and then maybe they go i was gonna i was gonna give them the change in my pocket but instead i gave them a 20 you founded a nonprofit. Ob- obviously <laughs> obviously there was something that, that that she said to you or something about that interaction that you just couldn't leave there that you didn't, you didn't absolve your, you know, your conscience was not okay with just donating cash at the time. What do you think it was? I mean, did it, did it hook something in you? I mean, that, that had maybe been there or this awareness.
7: Oh, that like, there's so many things that, uh, that, that came from it. It was, um, thinking about not one of us have asked for our period, like not one of us, uh, uh, people who experience our period, we don't, go to the doctor at 12 and say, hey, I would like this to start for me. So um, that was one thing. Another thing is, why would we let something that affects 7.5 billion people on this planet affect like how we o- operate through our day? So because every single person on the planet is here, because somebody experienced menstruation, why are we not celebrating this? And so um, yeah, I, so I founded a nonprofit, but I just I think that's just who, who I am. I can't let things go. I have to I have to push forward. I have to um, follow things through and, and and see that change happen or I or I, I can't sleep.
0: You've uh, done amazing work uh, in your day job as well, and I'd love to provide an opportunity to talk about this uh, for people experiencing homelessness or as 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 we've come to understand, maybe houselessness is is the phrase to use. Um, on international women's day and as part of this conversation is is there a is there a gender angle on issues facing houseless? citizens Canadians I mean have you have you is there is is, am I stretching too far to try to find an angle here or are there a whole bunch
7: oh there's there's several like your previous panel you talk about the wage gap there are so many ways that women have to work extra hard to climb out of poverty to um, live sustainable lives in the community and uh, it's a wage gap access to menstrual products um, just who's who's getting hired in the workforce Um, yeah, uh, man, that's, that's such a giant conversation. Um, and you, and you see it. So when you have uh, back to your conversation with the panel, how, you know, women do carry most of the parental, uh, mind, uh, ownership, you know, like these are things that are always on our minds, things that we, we carry with us into every day. And so, um, oh man, you could talk about, you could talk about that for hours and hours.
0: What have you learned? Uh, you mentioned this is your fourth campaign, so in, into the fourth year of No Woman Without. H- have you had epiphanies along the way? What would you say you've you've most learned, or what's what's really reiterated itself to you through the first three years?
7: So for me, it's uh, it's the awareness, it's the awareness in the community, and it's that the conversation people are really here for having these uh, uh, conversations for issues that affect women, and it's it's powerful to see it's. It's amazing to watch that moment where you change somebody's mind, uh, where, where you see that like spark go off in their eyes. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful moment. And I appreciate every single time uh, I, get to, I, I get to see that. Um, but the other piece is um, we need to affect the policy. We need to affect uh, the, the change in the community. It's nice to have organizations uh, like ours. There's organizations all over the country that work to end period poverty. It's not just us. We're not the only ones having the conversation, um, but the community is here for it. and how And how do we support women in any workforce and any in any where they're at in uh, their lives? Um, and so I think it, just those conversations getting much louder than they've ever been. Uh, it, it's hopeful, and and we're excited to to see what can happen in the community for you know not just not just our purposes, but for all of the other things. I. I have so much respect and admiration for the women that were on your panel just now. Wow. Wow.
0: Well, they'd probably say the same thing about you, Scarlett. I, I, I would imagine that, you know, th- through the course, there's the, there's the running the nonprofit side of it. And, and I would imagine that you work to, you know, find partnerships and, and, and everything that goes with it, all the, you know, the non-glamorous stuff behind the scenes of building this up and working and hustling and making it happen. But there's also the frontline where I would imagine you've probably forged some pretty incredible, friendships and probably met some pretty remarkable people Um, in the context of today. Who are you, who do you think of today?
7: Oh, today I think of maybe almost every single woman I've ever met. And that's just being honest. I think about um, any woman who has, you know, stood up against a violent partner. I think about any woman who has stood at a table and said, actually, listen to me. Actually, I have something to say. So anybody who has fought against, um, uh, any kind of, uh, sexism, but I, right now I work with phenomenal people. Like, so at Bissell center, uh, that's, that's my full-time job. I work with some of the most incredible women that uh, like, it, I, I could tear up just knowing their passion for the community and their love for people that they don't even know. It is, uh, it's remarkable to see. It's, it's incredible to be a part of it. I, um, yeah. So anybody that I work with at Bissell center, my love and, uh, all of the other agencies, my love is going out to you today. I, uh, superheroes like rock stars.
0: This is, uh, I mean, it's the type of thing, what I, what I love about this and why it's so important is, is like you said, out of the gate, Scarlett is the type of thing that people don't think of. It's the type of thing that's, that's not on people's radar, you know, but you're doing such important work. Um, do, do you see this? I mean, does, is this the type of a thing when, when you talk to people about the impact that no woman without has on their life? Um, I would imagine, well, you know, to a certain degree, it's probably quite obvious, like dignity, convenience, hygiene, health. But there's probably a bigger picture angle to it as well, right? I mean, just with regards to the impact that it can have on someone's psyche or on their confidence, um, ultimately on their future. Do you see that?
7: Yeah, it's, um, it's it, think about going through your day and and having like that mental energy that it takes to how am I going to how am I going to provide food for my children? How am I going to do this? And then on top of that, how am I going to take care of a uh, take care of an issue that you know, so I can work in the community or I can just be in the community. That's the that's the thing that people people don't realize is it's not just so you can get to work. It's not just so you can uh you know keep your pants clean. It is actually just so you can be in the community itself. Like if you don't have access to this product, if you don't have that, um And we've all been there. Like, so as women, we've all been there. We've all had an accident or we've all had a day where, where our period comes on quickly and we don't realize, and then we're just like, Oh, how am I going to get through this? So we can run to 7-Eleven or we can run and grab that product. And so if you don't have money to go do that, just think about what that does to your confidence and your dignity. Like it's, it's um, as a person who's been able to afford it, it affects me. So imagine you know, having to make that choice of, you know, a sandwich or tampons or, or, or like, it's just, it's, it's one thing that, you know, we can take off the list. It's one thing that we can take off the list. And then if you consider, like, we're lucky here in Edmonton, it's not that expensive. But if you consider our Northern communities, some women or people who are experiencing their menstruation, they're paying $25 for a box of tampons. Like, why, why are we in this space at, at, at this time? It's the, the bigger picture is like, it just should be provided countries like Scotland, uh, New Zealand, British Columbia um, uh, provided uh, it says that you have to provide them in the schools. Like it's happening. And this, this conversation is, it, it keeps going, but we can affect that change. We can actually say we can find the funding. We can say, Hey, this matters. You don't have to worry about this anymore. Thanks for all you do. Um, yeah. It, Again, I get, I get super passionate. I'm, I, I could talk about this all
0: day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And you, and you can, and we can, cause we've got lots of time, but I just, I didn't, I didn't know that BC was doing that. And I, and, and it's interesting how, I mean, isn't it interesting how menstruation products, female hygiene products have oftentimes, um, been served as a talking point for people to recognize how certain inequities exist and you're doing a great job of pointing it out here but i mean i'd also um and i'll i'll admit i don't actually know that where the story's at now but i've seen a lot of talk about even how things are taxed right and and, and a lot of people have argued that that taxes need to i mean that, that that's a huge indicator that might not be on people's radar that indicates inequality
7: I would. I agree, and you know, it, this is an essential item. So um, they they aren't charging. They took away the tampon tax, the, the pink tax, mm. tax. Uh, sorry, excuse me, pink tax. Uh, that a couple of years ago, and so that's great. But like, why why was that tax e- ever? And what I it's we, it's an item that we have to purchase. So where is our tax break? Where's our where's our line? I don't know, 240 on our doctor yeah. card where we where we can say, hey, I, this is how much I spent on this this year. Can you please take this off my gross annual income? That would be awesome.
0: Yeah. What's next for you? I mean, I know that I know that you're not going to say that this this issue is solved. Uh, you've got the ball rolling here, but has has it planted any other seeds along the way? of other things that, that, that you're taking a look at as you survey the landscape and going, this is not okay. That needs to change. What's next? Uh,
7: so as we move forward with No One Without Period, there's uh, so much that we can do. Um, uh, and so the advocacy piece is the most important part for us, is uh, we want to raise the funds. We want to get the products to the organizations in our communities. Um, but again, we want also we want to we want to continue on with our advocacy with um, you know affecting that policy, affecting that change, and having the products provided in Canada um, for free. Uh, and so that so, so that's that's what's next is just c- continuing on with that messaging. Uh, and so what so what we're asking is that with our letter writing campaign, um, right? Every time if you, if you're a person who gets your menstruation, and if you're a person who um, when 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 you get that in every month, use that as a reminder to contact our MLA, to contact our MP. We want to see dear trust, just, excuse me, dear Justin Trudeau. I got my period this month and this is why it, it's important for me to tell you this because this matters to me. And so we're not going to rest with no one without until we see that change. Um, and then we can move forward with other projects.
0: Heidi says, uh, not taxing menstruation products should be the absolute bare minimum uh we should make them free um yeah. hope says i'm going to start carrying them with me uh to give to homeless women now thank you scarlet which is pretty awesome um yeah do you have, you, you do you get like I, I love the smile on your face that you hear that you, you you probably heard that a million times because it's something that's very doable that may just not have been on people's radar
7: it's so doable, and you know i I had an interaction recently where it was like, okay, we we have these findings, and this is great. We just need to find the funding. We'll just fund it. Where do you got to find the funding? Where do you get the Where do you get the funding for toilet paper? Where do you get the funding for soap in the bathroom? Just find the funding. like the, the end of end of story. there's no there's no we don't have to reason anymore. We don't have to explain why we should be doing this. We should just be doing it. They should just be free. And so what I would say, what I would say to like the broader community, um, if you own a business, make sure you have them in your, in your bathrooms. If you uh, are, I, I love, I love the, the comment, like I'm going to keep them on me and give them to homeless women as I see them. i like, I appreciate that so so much because um, it really is about supporting each other where we're at and how we're and, and how we do that is little, like little, little things. And you, you would argue that maybe a tampon isn't a little thing, but uh, like on the broad scope of how we can help in the community, it's, you know, the, the least we can do.
0: Yeah. And I just think of, it, of, of a woman that's, you know, experiencing, you know, life on the street. And I mean, you can talk about big government programs and initiatives. Hey, isn't this wonderful that at a high level this is being funded and you can, you know, but what does that person need? What does that human being need right in the moment right now? That's yeah. their most important need right now. Right, uh, Kimberly says anytime I'm picking up tampons I usually buy two boxes I leave one in the the food bank box At the front of the store Of course they would be required Says Kimberly Barbara says "Scarlet, you're awesome and caring I mean who else would think of this Very personal need for women No matter where their lives are at At any given moment That from Barbara um, This letter writing campaign Is it formal? I mean because you've got an army here That can mobilize You've got this podcast army This live viewing uh, You know these real talkers That are ready to mobilize At a moment's notice uh, what can you tell us?
7: So if you go to our our website no woman forward slash advocacy we have links to find your MP, we have links to find your MLA, find your city councilor in a different communities medicine hat, Lethbridge. Like we want to get super super loud about this and uh, uh, it's super important and then we have also a if you scroll down a little bit, there's a letter that you can just copy paste, throw that in your email. And uh, yeah, get get that sense off. Get get really loud about this. Like let's say let's tell the government that we're not going to be quiet about this. We're not just going to accept for when they decide that they'll provide this for us. We want to see it provided now.
0: Okay, um, and you're you're doing a fundraising drive too. You're looking to raise twenty five G's.
7: Yeah. So we normally spend about a thousand dollars a month providing uh, tampons and menstrual products to organizations in town. So Windhouse Bissell Center um, the food bank, we will support, uh, Sherwood Park food bank. Like there's so many different organizations we support. And so, uh, $25,000 will help us to provide those. And I, we assume that this year more, more organizations will reach out to us. And so we set a lofty goal of $25,000. That's also hopefully to support other communities. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're, we're looking to raise funds. We're looking to make change and, uh, that's, That's what we're doing
0: this year. (laughs) What a beauty. Love it. No woman without dot com. Scarlett Bjornson, a change maker in her community. Thank you so much for putting this on on many of our radar and, and for the advocacy work that you're doing. It's remarkable, Scarlett. And happy International Women's Day to you.
7: Thank you so much. Thank you for having us on and uh, great show today. Appreciate everything you
0: do. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that very much. Uh, again, no woman Without dot com. What a, what a cool angle. It's really neat for me sometimes to see uh, real talkers, especially on our live chat, just pick this up and, and take it and go with it. Um, a <laughs> little, little joke for people in, in the slave Lake part of the province of Alberta. Crazy James says you can find my MLA. Wow. Nobody can find Pat rain. Uh, I'm absolutely going to get on this. That from Crazy James. Nice little Alberta politics joke there from Crazy James. Congratulations. The team at Local Waste for more than a quarter century have been owned and operating locally, going up against the big, faceless garbage giants. And they love to talk trash. They want your business. It doesn't matter if it's a a small mon pop shop or maybe you're running a big hotel or a shopping mall. Whatever the case is, big grocery store, maybe. Local Waste wants to find a solution that's perfect for you all across that waste management spectrum, including recycling solutions. You can find them online at localwaste.ca. And a quick reminder, the team at Local Waste proud to present Trash Talk, which was so rowdy this past Friday, Sam, that we had we had it flagged on YouTube. It was
1: we, d- we did. We had a. We, we were back in the penalty box for a bit.
0: We were back in the penalty box for a little bit, which is actually a great marketing tool for us. Trash talk, right? Buckle up. And you may wind up in the penalty box uh, presented by the team at local waste at local waste.ca. The team at Eden landscaping is ready to embrace spring big time. And they know, they know for a fact that you have big dreams for your back or front yard space. Don't you? I mean, if you didn't have to do all the grunt work yourself, maybe you have a picture, a general, or even a vague picture of what it might look like. Well, they're the experts in not just the design, but the construction too. Whether it's a, a, a gazebo, or, or if you want to be fancy like Sam and get a pergola or a pergola, if you want to be fancy like Sam, whether it's a swim spa or, or maybe one of those interlocking brick patios, whatever your dream is, Eden Landscaping can make it happen. Check them out online at Landscape Edmonton. C-A. And a big shout out to the team at McBain Camera. We're thrilled to have them on board as a Real Talk Builder. They've been serving Alberta's photographers, that entire community since 1949. And they're here to help you create beautiful images with exceptional gear like the Panasonic DC g 9 camera. This camera is built for speed. It can lock focus in a fraction of a second, shoot up to 20 frames per second in AFC. And it has that five axis image stabilization, helps you. You get tack sharp photos when shooting handheld. When you go to mcbaincamera.com right now and order a Panasonic G9, make sure you enter the promo code Real Talk—just one word—and you'll receive a free spare battery. The promo code Real Talk with the Panasonic G9 at mcbaincamera.com. If you ever want to see Samuel G. Brooks get super excited, talk to him about free spare. Camera batteries i've I, never seen the guy's eyes
1: Light up i right have now. like yeah i, I, I Want to say because i have three cameras that All use the same battery and i think in total i have about Ten batteries now yeah you can never have Enough you can never have enough you can never have Enough are you the guy you, you probably always I, I know you i already know the answer to this question All of your
0: batteries are probably Always fully charged you're not the Guy that shows up on a shoot and goes oh my gosh all my Batteries are dead no like who would do that Well some people would yeah it's fair i'm, I'm, I'm That might be something i might do that might mean, this is why this is why you're such an important member of this team um, every single week. Uh, and especially on Mondays, we remind you that we've got a real talk question of the week. And uh, this week is an amazing one. Uh, we're going to we're, we're asking you to hit the, 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 the actual like the You're going to have to hum and haw over these. And, and other ones might just be gut instinct answers. We're asking you about stuff like pants on dogs. And, and pineapple on pizza and raisins. I mean, the stuff that really matters.
1: Yeah, I like we've we've covered. You know, we've covered the governor general. We've yeah. covered the budget. Yeah, uh, we've covered a lot of COVID-related stuff. All None of, of stuff. this is important compared to pants on dogs yeah. and pineapple on pizzas.
0: Yeah, where are where do you stand? I, I'm afraid because we've got such a wonderful synergy and a great mm. working relationship, and I'm afraid to pollute it by asking you how you feel about pineapple on pizza. I'm. Oh, I'm, it's I'm, 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 tasty.
1: I'm a, oh, thank God. It's it's like I am not okay, Kelly oh. loves ham and pineapple pizza, so like in our standard pizza order there's almost always a pineapple on pizza. Yes. I'm not somebody that flocks to it, but I don't pick it off. It's delicious. It's a little, okay. little fruity nugget, little little taste of sweetness right in there. Well this it's is delicious. interesting, Sam, I because you like you found some nuance to it.
0: You know, most people are either like hell yeah or hell no, and you're you're kind of like you don't flock to it, but if it's there, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. That, that might be how I'm how I might uh, you know approach for example like black olives on pizza. Oh, I love my black olives. Yeah, black olives on pizza, nothing wrong there. Now we did get serious last week. Can you call up those graphics from our team, uh, our team members at Y Station? They're the official research and strategy partners. So we asked you how you felt about the Alberta budget. You remember two weeks ago we asked you to put one together. We said, all right, big talkers, all right, huh? you're going to take swipes at the finance minister. We know it. So are we. But let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's see if we can put a budget together. And we asked you to find efficiencies and to make those difficult decisions. Well, this past week, we had a chance. We had the luxury of being able to look at the budget. And we asked you what you thought about what the Alberta government came up with. Let's take a look at one of the first key findings. Get this. Of the hundreds and hundreds of you that answered our question of the week, 87% 87% of viewers and listeners thought that the budget was not the budget Alberta needs for the issues it's facing. Almost 9 out of 10. Unbelievable. Let's take a look at the next highlight uh, or maybe low light, depending on how you perceive it. 5% of you, 5% of you thought the budget was good for small businesses. 5%. And here's another key finding from the team at Y station. 82% of listeners thought the budget was only beneficial for the wealthiest Albertans and for large corporations. Wow. Now, generally speaking, you were down on this budget. You didn't love it. Generally speaking. Um, Now. It's probably unlikely this is from the team at Y Station. Their team gets together on Sundays and actually workshops this stuff. It's really remarkable. And a reminder, if you're a Patreon supporter of ours, you automatically get exclusive access to what's called the top line report pages and pages of data. Really interesting insights. Now, the team at Y Station says, yeah, it's unlikely for sure that there'd be a budget over the last 10 years that Albertans would have been positive about. It's not been a great 10-year stretch but this is a particularly tough case now the way people feel about this budget is linked to how people feel about government so say our pollsters that is not good a government with a less turbulent track record they believe would have fared better in this survey so you either saw a budget that either cut too deep or didn't do enough to resolve the issues that alberta's facing three percent of respondents three percent thought it was a good budget 79 percent said it was bad 18 percent said they didn't have an opinion on it so one in five approximately said well we don't necessarily have an opinion on it there is that sense as you saw there that the budget deeply benefits large corporations and the wealthy and small business did not get a leg up so said you real talkers and there's an interesting tread among the commenters that felt the budget was not doing enough to support the economic participation of women in a covid or post covid economy. And that's something that, that we touched on earlier. How about how did how did people feel about new taxes? This is an interesting one. The, uh, when, when asked, the government was right. And we make you a statement. We put a statement in front of you. Then we ask you to disagree, agree or, or on a sliding scale, tell us where you are, which can be neutral. The statement the government was right to introduce no new taxes in the budget. Sixty five percent of respondents disagreed with that. While well, 15% agreed, 15% agreed the government was correct to introduce no new taxes in the budget, which I, I thought was an interesting point. When you get 65% of people saying that they thought that there was room for new tax in the budget, I mean, we saw that really interesting uh, result last week, Sam, where more, about 80% said that they would have liked to see some form of a provincial or harmonized sales tax, which was also really interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. You don't get people asking for new taxes all the time. I think mostly, I mean, number one, people want to keep money in their pocket. Number two, I don't think that people trust government to
1: spend their money. Yeah, I I just, you know, I think the counter narrative is Albertans just kind of feel like they're at a bit of a breaking point. I mean, there's there's. You know, in in economic and policy circles for decades, we've been talking about revenue shortfalls and and provincial sales taxes and how we might have you know a better tax structure that that is a little bit more equitable in, in Alberta and and raises revenue in a way that resource revenue can't and. I guess my observation Is you know That conversation Has now shifted From the nerds Who think about this All the time To the general public To say you know This is a real problem And and our government Seems to be Unbelievably blind to it
0: Yeah I was telling you I was showing you this I found this old Reporter's notebook of mine And uh, the last time That I used this uh, it, I was covering The Alberta budget About uh, about 13 years ago About 12 years ago And so this is My reporter budget From when I was doing Live TV hits And, and it was it, It's quite funny as a matter of fact because i have some of the questions that i was asking um some of the players uh, including dr lyle oberg uh, at the time who was taking questions on that budget and, and i and i said to him i mean these are some of my notes here and you and i were laughing about the, i mean laughing so we don't cry maybe but we were laughing about this this is from 13 years ago here are my reporter notes um i would have asked him this in a live tv interview from the rotunda the alberta legislature of note minister um uh, you're forecasting a dro- it's not funny. You're forecasting a drop in resource revenue which is dro- which you expect will drop Alberta's surplus down to 2.2 billion dollars 3 years from now. You're forecasting a drop in Alberta's surplus to just 925 million dollars. Does this serve as a rude awakening? <laughs> that was my question on budget day unbelievable how about this one this was another question i would have asked minister oberg uh, live on the show no major contributions to the heritage savings trust fund nor the sustainability fund are savings not as much a priority this year i mean these are the these are the types of questions we were asking 13 you know 12 13 years ago when it came to the alberta budget now here are the comments that you left we ask you to fill in the blanks in other words if if the yes no the agree disagree is 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 insufficient for you and you've got something you want to say this is oftentimes why i think. the top line reports are so fascinating, and we love reading this stuff. One of you responding said this budget could have been so much worse. Um, the public service, uh, of which I do, uh, you know, of which I count myself, needs to make some small sacrifices. Um, the K to twelve and the healthcare systems will be unhurt, providing wages don't steal from the pot. Another says the only good thing I can see in this budget is abandoning the nonsensical idea that provincial budgets should be balanced. Hmm. even then they're right for the wrong reasons. You know, they say we need to keep spending because it's a time of crisis. That's a good start. But the real reason to not balance the budget is because this is a province, not a household. Interesting. Another says my economic and political philosophy is polar opposite to that of the Alberta government. So I would say 99% of the budget is trash. (laughs) If I had to pick one thing, it might be that $3 billion being invested to diversify the economy uh, or I think they mean not trash to expand aviation, tech, pharmaceutical and tourism. I, I, yeah, I'm assuming you mean not trash. Another says the budget didn't gut healthcare and education to the extent I thought it would. Uh, it also didn't try to balance the books during a pandemic, which just isn't realistic. It's not realistic at all. You're forecasting a, a 19 billion dollar deficit on what typically is about a 45 billion dollar budget for perspective to try to balance. I mean, it'd be impossible.
1: Yeah, it would be absolutely impossible, and and I I totally agree with the point. Like, not only a is this not the right time to balance the budget. Like, we just it just isn't. We have to spend to get out of this. There's no other way around it. Sorry guys, yeah. there just there is no other way around it. I kind of want to latch onto the one person that said, it's not a household budget. It's yeah. a provincial budget, and and I scream that from the rooftops every time I can. You know, politicians use dog whistle language where they compare provincial budgets to getting our house in order and and they like they like it when you think about it in the same terms of your household budget, but it's not. It's absolutely not. And like, you know, as you know, to not sound like a mouthpiece for the Trudeau government, I think he was spot on every time he said, We took on debt so you wouldn't have to. Yeah. You know, even though that was a bit of a buzzword terminology and 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 definitely was a really good talking point for a lot of pressers, um that's government's job is to weather the storm so the citizens don't.
0: Well yeah except for that and i mean we don't you know we yeah. are going to weather the storm of course we are it's got to be paid back i mean it, it we are going to but yes in it like governments can borrow at very different rates than individuals and obviously government needs to step up we've heard business owners saying that in many ways wigwith quite rightfully so on our chat says you know yeah you guys instead they just cut the funding to municipalities you know so they transfer the funding loss onto them which will raise taxes anyway and wigwith's not wrong about that uh you can you can uh, view the full top line report if you do so, support us on patreon you'll get the keys to that so to speak and you can find those details at ryan to wrap up every show on mondays we focus on positive reflections presented by our friends at kubi energy now for those of you that are listening on our podcast we're so grateful that you do We're going to need you to check out this. It's why we we set the file apart. Sam posts a very special standalone file, positive reflections on our YouTube channel. Now, why is it important that we have the visuals? Because it allows us to share photos of snow sculptures like this beautiful, beautiful image submitted by Lisa. Look at this. Lisa says This is so cool Isn't this so cool I love this one Yeah Lisa says These are uh, snow sculptures In my neighborhood uh, Celebrating the Flying Canoe Festival This past week It looks like They just built it On like the The bench On a ball Yeah the park Exactly Says they were So popular on Twitter I thought that Real talkers Might enjoy them too So Lisa snapped A photo A couple photos and sent them to us at talk at ryanjesperson.com Putting positive reflections in the subject line I love it There's a guy that lives relatively close to us And, and oftentimes he'll do these snow sculptures Carves up he, he did a, a water buffalo the other day What? Like life-size water buffalo It was like seven feet tall It was massive Unbelievable And then that was
1: right before We got that warm weather We walked by and went
3: No uh, was, I,
1: I, What I was about to say Is like I, I I walk Sophie through Your neighborhood sometimes And I haven't seen that yet Now I want to go hunting for it <laughs>
0: Yeah uh, It's just absolutely Beautiful work And I think maybe That's part of it—is the sculptor You have to be okay with it Just Yeah When it's gone It's gone <laughs> Not there forever Okay Sam can you call up The photo of Wyatt's First fish Oh You mean I'd this been, one I had been talking. Yeah look at this Okay So this is This is uh, I mean we just Absolutely love slave lake we were up there this was a while ago this is why it's first walleye don't at me i know i should have flared out the fin it's not the greatest photo on dad's part i blew it but this photo we were talking about it a while back when i was telling you how much i absolutely love that region how much our family loves that region well in me talking about this photo it prompted Marilyn to reach out to the show Marilyn shared this photo with us Now, first of all, it has a real Norman Rockwell feel to it, doesn't it? I mean, this to me is the type of photo that needs to be painted. She said, Ryan, when you described that photo of Wyatt and his first fish, it reminded me of a wonderful moment between a father and son I caught on my cell phone. She says we were in Weymouth, Dorset, England back in 2018, and I was dashing from a car park along the seafront. She says, now, it wasn't until later, as I was sitting down over coffee, I checked my camera. I was thrilled with the moment I had captured neither father nor son knowing I had taken their photo. She says, to this day, I wish I could have found them to share the image with them. She says, regardless, I wanted to share it with real talkers. The the
1: matching hats is the best part. Isn't that amazing? I love this photo.
0: I can hear that spin caster going just
1: and then boop. I mean, just what a beautiful Can you imagine if in
0: some wild way That photo finds its way to father and son Because it's posted here on Positive Reflections On Real Talk's YouTube channel Hey man, we do our part If it's you, reach out to us Talk at RyanJesperson.com Maybe we can connect you with the photographer Marilyn, thanks to everybody That submits their positive reflections It does this to us It makes us smile until our faces hurt Happy International Women's Day. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 8.30 Mountain Time.